I guess I should get to this later, but it, it did remind me of the move, the movie Hook, you know, where Peter oh, Pan for sure. forgets how to fly yeah. because he grew up and he became a, a lawyer and lawyers don't fly, you know, yeah, lawyers are very grounded. Anymore. It's, cra- it's a tragic. Yeah. And then he, he like, you know, went through that scene where all of a sudden he can see the food yep. at that feast and it was all imagine imagination. But I think that that's actually the key. I think imagination and you as a child imag- using that imagination a lot is actually the key to to where you're supposed to go and, Can I and the life that you're. Real quick? Yeah. So you're telling people they should pretend to eat invisible food and then think that that's sustenance. absolutely. Back to shit they don't tell you. I'm Nikki Limo. What's up, guys? Crypto King here. Apologies for uh, last week of um, us doing a repeat. I was sick. It was on you. It was on me. Nowadays, if you get sick, that's completely your fault. Well, so yeah. you should take the L. Yeah. Just take the fucking L and apologize. I attracted that into my life. Apologize. You know, I did. I said I started it off literally saying I'm sorry. Is it? But is it? Was it enough? It wasn't I, enough for me. Um dressed up today because i wanted to feel not sick for the first time in yeah. a week and a half you look fantastic thank you. Way, if you those of you who are missing out on nikki on the youtubes really is a good episode i've never worn up. this dress this is the debut of this dress i enjoy it very thank, much thank you yeah, you look like a politician's wife and i do not look like a politician i kind of felt like that when i put it on i was like yeah. wow i look like i give a speech yeah like yeah. I'm, uh, I'm like getting, a very empty speech. Like a speech where I want people on my side. After. Exactly. It's like the, you're not taking a stand on really anything. But no. You, but you look great. I look polished. And afterward, everyone's like, "You did so good. You, you look great." And I did a study <laughs> that blue is a trustworthy color. That's right. Because all your polling people, um, who slowly remove all humanity from your personality, mm-hmm. uh, also betrayed at that point. Yes. Which kind of has something to do with our topic today. I think a so. little bit. I think it, it kind of like does. front-facing personalities. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> How do you want to start it? I mean, I feel like it's kind of like a Steve and I have been talking about a kind of a mixture of topics that have been bleeding together lately. Yes. And have been fodder for fantastic conversation that I wish was recorded. I do as well. <clears throat> but then we're like, we should put this on a podcast because it's some shit they don't tell you. And I'm like, but the batteries aren't charged. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. no and okay. then my voice went away. Yeah. And now, oh, I have to dump all the footage from last week. <clears throat> Hold on. Yeah. So it's not just instant over here. So then we're, now we're going to try to recreate those conversations. Probably not going to be as good. It's the second, third, fourth <laughs> tier, frankly. Uh, no, but truly, um, yeah, we were, We. I mean, look, this has been kind of a common theme for us lately, especially the past, I would say, maybe for you, maybe a year and a half. Yeah. I would say that, but we've really kind of honed in on like some of the, the real things that we could do about it mm-hmm. within the past probably like two months. Yeah. Well, it started, I feel like, uh, with an unraveling when I went uh, I went to see a new therapist last year around April, March, April. I got diagnosed with ADHD and um, like found out I was on the spectrum kind of thing and By the way, uh, dealt with a lot it. of... Thank you. Yeah. You were, I mean, you, honestly, you were one of the catalysts to, to, for me to actually take it seriously and go get tested. Um, and I was shocked. Like, I was like, whoa. Like, not only was I shocked that I went this long, 35 years without knowing that. And, but I was also shocked that like so much of my life made sense afterwards. Honestly, not to be too corny, but very thankful for a childhood friend of mine named BJ, who is his name. Um, but he, (laughs) he was on the spectrum. Yeah. And, um, I remember being his friend and I remember seeing a lot of the things that you do Mm -hmm. normally in him as well. 
And I remember not thinking that they were weird at all, but then looking back on those things, you know, quote unquote weird, right? Like what everyone mm-hmm. else sees as weird, but like for you, it's just your normal thing. Right. And so that's why it's it's not the same as like just you're a normal person. Like you have, there's a spectrum, right? <laughs> yeah. So not putting anybody down, good Lord. Um, but I'm just saying I was able to recognize, I think a lot of the things that you were doing from the the great experience that I have with my childhood best buddy, um, BJ, which um, helped me see it. And do you know that's so funny that you say that because that's the reason why I was dismissed as not having it. Oh, my mom, so my my family members, uh, my uncle especially, had been diagnosed with Asperger's. And my mom was like, well, Nikki kind of has some of those things, but not as extreme. Therefore, yes, she must exactly. not have it. Yes. And not realizing well, that it's called a You're not in a, a plastic spe- bubble and you're, and you're not being walked around by um, people <laughs> in white coats. So, but you know what I mean? Like there's a... There's yeah, a stereotype she, about yeah, that stuff. Not that, that she was playing into no, it. No, no, no. She just like you only know what you what you exactly. know, right? And so the same reason, like when I went to her saying I think I have depression, she was like, "Well, you're not bipolar. Like you don't have any of these symptoms. So then you must not have depression." <laughs> and just depression wasn't really talked about or known. Like there was way well, more it was of a seen stigma. As an excuse. Yeah, for and, a long time, and there was just there was so much unknown about it. We didn't talk about it as much as we do today. So it was just a stigma. It was very, um, very much the older generation thought d- correlated depression with being crazy, you know, yeah. like in a month, you know, you're going to see a shrink or whatever. Whereas nowadays we don't really talk about it that way. So which is nice. It's kind of destigmatized. Um, but yeah, so she was like, well, Nikki does a lot of similar things, but not as extremes. Therefore, you know, she must not have it anyway. All that to say that like that started this unraveling of really, um, I guess me wanting to find like, get to the truth of who I am as a person like if you really were to strip all of the mask off like all of the things that you've been socially conditioned to put on yourself and this is not just a people on the spectrum thing this is also just in society you are you have a certain level there's a that even typical people will have of of this layer of social conditioning and what you're trained is acceptable and what is not acceptable and women even more so (laughs) because we're just like there's a standard for how you're supposed to be as a woman so i think like from a younger age girls are taught to mask a lot more than boys are yeah which is why it's actually hard to get diagnosed as an adult female yes um because it's a more known thing now right but it I mean, wasn't back then they thought girls up. didn't have it and then now um women after like so much later in life have typically masked so much even as a typical a neurotypical person like you're you're already wearing so many layers of masking trying to be accepted by society that it's hard to tell if you are if you are it's hard to tell who the real you is under yes. there you know yes anyway i i'm fortunate that i was in um a, a field that it's more of a creative field and i get to be more of me than i would if i had maybe were, it was close to the surface yeah yeah, yeah. it was more Whereas, raw. Uh, people working Some in a nine-to-five corp- to. corporate life you know you you have to like yeah. fit Mask in or it. Or die, you know? Yeah. Um, But it was really interesting to me because there was so, so many things made sense of, of like these social interactions that I had no idea what went wrong. And then it comes to the surface that it's like, oh, well, this is because you, you, your brain thinks this way and their brain thinks this way. And so you have these um, false, like both of you think you're assuming the same thing. So it's like false uh, contextualized assumptions. Like 
someone says something and I assume that they mean one thing. So I say something back, assuming that they understand that I'm responding oh, to yeah. that. And then they're like, they take it, take offense to whatever I said because my assumption was not what they were assumed, you know? Yeah. And you're getting... a little more matter of fact. Yeah. Um, which I love about you. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, you know, in the wrong era scenario, yeah. somebody could take offense to that when you're being matter of fact. And you're like, wait, why don't, why wouldn't I be matter of fact? Right. Like if someone got um, was telling a story and something didn't add up. You know, like yes. there's a Which whole. Which you've done to me many times. And I, it's like you just blow me up in the middle of a story. It doesn't matter if I'm flourishing it to make it a little yeah. bit funnier. She'll blow it up in the middle of the fucking story, and I'm like, okay, there's two things th that are going on here. Either number one, she's a comedy saboteur who wants all the laughs to herself, and that's the insecure side of me, right? Yeah. That was like the very early. And I didn't get that. That's something that people could even assume. Like that, that that was a thing that like, oh, I'm attacking you to make you look bad. Yeah. Well, or you, whatever. Comedy saboteur, so that you can you, the laughs are for you. Yeah. Oh, uh, let me remove some of that laughs from him, and now it's more about me again. But no, that not was not you at all. That's not that's the further thing from you. Um, you're. You are the least selfish person it's I know. It's more like you're telling a story and now I can't focus on your story because there was an I'm inaccuracy. In. What happened there? there? Was, wait, there was That's an inaccuracy. We didn't live there. We lived at no, this place. No, we actually place. lived at this. <laughs> we didn't live at the funeral home place. We lived at this place. But then it's funnier for Steve's story if we lived at the funeral home but place. I didn't get it because my brain locked on to that inaccuracy and I needed you to know. Not from a Which place of... we did of, live at the funeral home, no, by the way. Yeah, we did. But it, it's like I didn't understand for so long that my brain was like, oh, I would like to be accurate in my storytelling. So if someone points out it. <laughs> An inaccuracy, it's thank you for pointing that out so that I could correct my story to be more accurate. I, I didn't understand that people saw it as me going like, I'm taking the light out of your story, yeah, you know. It, well, it's a stupid, um, honestly, it's part of the um, the great defense of man, right? Where, you know, we're all in a scenario where we're maybe exposing ourselves, being a little more vulnerable than maybe we would like mm -hmm. to be. And then someone comes in, and so we assume the worst possible intention behind it yeah, as a defense mechanism instead of just, like, trying to find the humanity in it, which we all do. Good Lord. I do that all the time, too. Um, but trying to zoom out a little bit and, like, reassess and see, like, the humanity of people's intentions helps me a lot. Hope it helps a lot of people a lot. But, yeah, it helped me understand your situation a lot more, especially the more we talked about it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was super uber helpful because now when those situations come up, I have a place that's like, oh, is it could it be that my brain interpreted what they said as this? But really, they thought they were saying that or I, I mean, it, to most people like there's it's being interpreted as this. Yes. And it allows me to like really understand the differences in thought and not get so. I used to give, uh, well, I still do sometimes get really emotional when I'm misunderstood because yeah, well, you also mask a lot because you have to because of what has happened to you yeah. in the past. Um, so you revert to people pleasing a lot more than you would like to just to try to make up for that. You're, you're like, I don't want to be wrong here. Yeah. So let me like cover who I am like a little bit here and, and try to appease you. And so nobody's really winning from this interaction because no. I'm just appeasing you and you, you do this a lot. Yeah. But then you're not really being productive with that relationship because mm -hmm. you're just appeasing them and then they're and just hoping they still like me. Yes. And then yeah. so it's just a transactional, like, I hope they like me. And then they're like, 
oh yeah, Nikki's cool, man. She's like super agreeable to all my viewpoints. <laughs> yeah, and then it's my authentic self slowly dies inside. Dithers and dithers away. Yeah, yeah and then I wonder why I'm so depressed all the time. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so there was this unraveling that started last year and it was super helpful. Um, and I really felt like I was getting in touch to like the, the raw root of of where of who I am and where my passions are and where I derive happiness from without external uh, external sources right like where like what's the path I'm meant to walk that's like coming from a pure authentic place yeah, where's your engine at? Yeah, yeah yeah without if there if I I want to say if I lived in a vacuum but part of walking that path would be to share with other people so it's like not but what's not ego based you know what is mm-hmm. more in alignment with with who I am and what I feel is is right and I think that finding that spark that we've talked about before like the thing that leads you to those those feelings of having that spark is your intuition telling you that that's the way that you're supposed to go yeah and then we did an episode last year at the end of last year when we bought a house um, here in Vegas when we were moving to a different state about the hero's journey and about answering the call and where you're you're um, you get a, everyone gets a call. I'm, no one's special in that. Like you have, you're getting a call from the universe or what, this little voice inside you that's like, "Hey, I kind of like this direction. I really kind of want to go this. This way makes me happy. I'm feeling like these sparks of joy that I ha- that I don't feel in my everyday life. I'm over here working my job, being a productive human being, and I'm feeling this like tug that I'm supposed to go this way. Everyone gets those feelings. You don't get to choose when you get those feelings, but you get a, It's called getting a call from the universe. And I don't know anyone who hasn't had that at some point. Right? Every, yeah. I think that... Like my I, own father, who I thought was the most like rigid, um, you know, te- um, logical thinking person ever. I found out I had a creative side, but not like when I was like 23 years old. Yeah. Like in a random conversation. Dude, same. With my parents, my parents are both in finance. Um, my dad's a CPA and my mom's a financial controller of a bank, eventually vice president of a bank. So, you know, very like left brain uh, careers. But um, when I, it was really surprising when I was like 12, I found all this poetry that my dad wrote. <laughs> like he's like super creative. What a and loser. I, I found out like <laughs> he color coordinates, he color coordinates all of his closet. You know, he like really has this like creative side. He loves wearing funky socks to work. Yeah and like hiding them under his dress yeah. pants you know and that's his like little bit of i think creative rebellion coming it's just out like clown balloons on socks yeah yeah like yeah, for he sure. has this little thing in him that's like rebelling against this this non-creative path that he chose yep. and and my mom paints these beautiful watercolor paintings but you know doesn't really find time for it anymore and and she like um you know really focused on providing for the kids and both of them working full-time jobs in these like very left brain careers, finance analytical careers. And I didn't find out till later that they were actually really creative people. And I think that a lot of people kind of have these sparks and they just don't think it could be translated into a career. So it's just a silly, yeah, just a silly hobby that they have on the side. I got to grow up a little bit mentally. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, I got to grow up. Got to grow up. Honestly, it reminds me, well, the stuff that we're talking about, I guess I should get to this later, but it, it did remind me of the move, the movie Hook, you know, where Peter oh, Pan for sure. forgets how to fly yeah. because he grew up and he became a, a lawyer and lawyers don't fly, you know, yeah, lawyers are very grounded. It's cra- it tragic. Yeah. And then he, he like, you know, went through that scene where all of a sudden he can see the food 
yep. at that feast and it was all imagine imagination but i think that that's actually the key i think imagination and you as a child imagine using that imagination a lot is actually the key to to where you're supposed to go and, Can I and the life that you real quick yeah so you're telling people they should pretend to eat invisible food and then think that that's sustenance. absolutely I don't think enough okay. people. I need to end the stigma of not eating invisible food. So I take a turkey. So here's what Nikki's saying: take a turkey leg, put it to your mouth, chew, and that's going to give you sustenance. People will die from what you just Everybody's said. Everybody's like, people "How do we? Die. How do we end starvation?" I'm telling you, eat imaginary <laughs> food. I'm telling you right now. Quote that's me. That's what she said. Quote. <laughs> people are going to take that literally. Another one. There's enough people on the spectrum that are going to take that literally. <laughs> put a hashtag sarcasm. Well, they have a lot of, they actually Don't have think. a way better sense of humor than they are perceived to have. No, so. abs- it's a, just a different sense of humor, which yeah. I, Eminem is on the spectrum, you know, and I, I always related to his humor. Yeah. Is he confirmed on the spectrum? <laughs> He's mentioned it a few times that he has Asperger's. No I don't know if it's like, he hasn't been like, I have an official diagnosis, but like, it's pretty <laughs> obvious to Love me. It. Love it. But anyway, um, so we're talking about uh, answering the call, right? And everyone has this call and, and you can choose whether to answer the call or not. And most people don't because it's really scary to answer the call. You're going to go out of your comfort zone, leave everything that you know behind and go down this path that you don't know where it goes. And it's pretty scary. But I think that both Steve and I have gone through a lot of cycles of answering the call. And I don't know. I don't know what in us made us want to answer the call more than others this like um i've had it since i was little where i was just like i would rather and like go through this unknown of things that feel good a feel that feel right than this this way that everyone says is the correct way to go but feels wrong to me it's like not in alignment with how i feel i should go for you it feels antiquated yeah and and it feels it but, literally feels wrong. But that is an attack <laughs> on some people's way of life, which is wild because you're just talking about yourself. Right. So I did bring this uh, up. Actually, I didn't bring it up. I brought uh, It got brought up to me. Many times. Um, in a recent conversation with somebody who is in a more corporate career path, who is choosing to leave behind, had a quick foray in uh, a creative field and has decided that actually for them the better path is the corporate world they feel more comfortable Which there is great. they thought there and i was like super supportive That's awesome very happy for them yep. they're crushing it and i'm like couldn't be more happy but just because you're talking about like leaving your comfort zone doesn't mean it's comfortable for everybody right you know right what i mean like uh, that 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 it's about like your fit yeah, exactly. And that's all I've ever preached to people is finding something that's in alignment with with you, with yes. what feels good to you. The problem but, was but, but real quick, but it sounds like when you're saying that, like like there's this voice and it's like trying to come out and then we also we also we stifle it. But uh-huh. it, to some people, it sounds like you're saying everybody should just open that voice up and pry it open and see what happens and like go make that your livelihood. But like that's not what you're saying. <laughs> no. You're saying, "Hey, like listen to it, see what it's about." But that doesn't mean it's like your fucking future. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, okay, now we're going off on a couple of different tangents. We'll come yeah. back to this f- story with this friend. But um, a couple of times on the show, people have misconstrued us saying that there's an alternative path to college as us saying, don't go to college. Don't go to college That's anymore. absolutely not what we're saying. But they'll still hear us saying uh, well, that. <laughs> no. Uh, we've said it so many times. We've said it so many times yeah, that I, I'm like, 
if you if you see that your career path of what what you feel pulled to do doesn't align with college. Re- no, requires college. Oh, yeah. Go to college. Please go to college. Absolutely. 1,000% go to college. What I'm saying is that there's a whole <coughs> bunch of people out there right now, and I see it on Twitter all the time. I'm actually following a bunch of random people from back in the day when I did followbacks, and now I'm like following a bunch of people who, when I followed them, they were like 13. I was yeah, like, yeah, doing yeah. followbacks, and now they're grown-ass adults out like years removed from college, and they're having a really tough time out there, and they feel like... Well, one, there's this huge wealth class that, two, they were promised that if they graduated college that they'd have, like, some sort of job security to pay back their student loan debts, and they got fucked by the system, and... I am not saying the system fucks everybody, nor am I saying don't go to college and, you know, you know, fuck the system. I'm saying that there is an alternate way. So it should be like a beacon of hope, a light that like if this way is not working out for you and you gave it your all, maybe try this other way that like maybe if you're, you're getting a voice inside kind of steering you towards a different direction that like see what you have nothing to lose by, by trying that way. And th- and that's been skewed as us saying, like, don't go to college, when all I'm saying is that college is a very traditional pathway that used to provide a job security, that college tuition was seen as an investment that could be paid back within a, year, a couple of years of salary. It's like the American dream. It's yeah. a fucking scam <laughs> in, 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 from an angle. Yeah. Right? But from another angle, if you want to be a doctor, you have to go. So yeah. what are we talking about? Yes. So, you know, yeah. But yeah, that'll, that'll get construed too. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. I mean, don't you love out of context clips? I, do. I enjoy it. Here's the thing. If, pe- if people are out there misconstruing it, they don't get it, they don't get it. And actually, I want to touch on that later um, of what makes... Because I used to get fixated on why people get so outraged by me just saying that there's another path and i think i've finally figured out why and we've kind of talked about this this morning while touching it later anyway the way that this conversation happened with this friend is that i'm happy they found their path very happy that they've uh, realized that it actually is more in corporate america and they feel really (laughs) thriving there the only problem was the way that they brought it up was that uh like they're doing a real job now and the thing that i'm doing is not a real job and this isn't the first time that's happened but it was more surprising i guess that it came from a friend and two two after being in that field that she still had that stigma around it and it's not i'm not even blaming this person because like they're very open to hearing my my perspective and it was you know, just an interesting it, way to look it, at it. It was just yeah, it kind of was jarring at first because um, I couldn't, I guess, believe that the stigma still exists that creative fields are still looked at as not real jobs. That the only way that it's considered real is if it's this traditional pathway. And I would think that in 2022, when we have the internet and there's so many opportunities for creative people and creative outlets have very much become like a real high paying jobs. I know people that make six figures selling their stuff on Etsy. You know, artists are finding a way to thrive because there's so many more doors of opportunity that have opened because of the internet. You know, the internet is a double-edged sword and there's a lot of like terrible stuff that has happened because of it but there's also all these opportunities which is really awesome um and i felt 
bad that there was still this stigma being promoted that I've heard since I was a kid Same. that if I was going to be an artist, I was going to be poor real. the rest of my life. Yeah. It's not real. It's a pipe dream. Eventually, but like, what do you really want to yeah, be when yeah, you grow yeah. up? Grow up. Because it can't be art. It can't be anything creative. It always goes back to grow up. And then, uh, you know, this person was like, okay, but you get to do a fun mm -hmm. job. And I was like, but if it's so fun, why are you leaving? If it's so fun, why? If you've been given this opportunity and it's so much fun, why are you leaving? And and this person was like, well, I guess it is hard in a different way. It's more emotionally taxing, but my this new job is hard because I'm going to be spending so much more time doing it. And I was like, so you don't think creative spend 40 hours a week doing? Bro, I would almost argue they more. do double that. Yes. Yeah, but and then they were like well but you don't have to answer to a boss i'm like that's not true either that you're, first of all your customers are your boss <laughs> yes second oh, that's such a see that that just you don't understand like some of the fundamentals of business actually like of of having a um a customer driven business yeah like maybe you understand like a corporate side of it where like you're working somewhere and they already provide you the customers so you don't have to fucking sweat it but that that is such a misnomer. I mean, I'm only saying that because my father owned a business when I was growing up, and like, dude, like, like customers is like literally your lifeblood. Like, that's what that's what yes. your business is. So there's this thing with <clears throat> art. You hear about tortured artists, and this happens all the time with YouTubers and pretty much any creative field that I've ever talked to anyone in. Once once they become a professional in that creative field, there's this um, tortured artist thing where this art that I do sells, but it doesn't feed my soul. Happens to everybody. This art feeds my soul, but it doesn't sell. So you, then there's this, this tug of war balance that you have to find between creating work that feeds your soul, but also <clears throat> creating the work that you need to make, to make the customer happy so that you survive off Absolutely. of it. Absolutely. Not everyone gets to go make indies, dude. <laughs> yeah. You gotta, you know. So, so there is this like turmoil that every creative you know goes through when it's like art and business of course. and and to just be kind of blatantly told like all everything you do is made up and silly and fun is and then this thing i'm doing over here is real it's is, just a lack of understanding is, is yeah but i think that there's a if this is just a little sample size of it i think there's a broader belief in that yeah and because what they're doing isn't not real no the same way that what what we're doing is isn't not real so like like there's a mutual respect that should be had mm -hmm. instead of like going well that's all silly stuff and that's probably derived from an insecurity that's attached to it through fear yeah where it's like well i probably shouldn't be successful at this because it seems too fun it can't last yeah the sustainability factor mm -hmm. right. like people always come back to that well what about security but like jobs aren't secure Fuck like look no. look at the pandemic around, we just went bro. through yes i mean it's it, it's essential an, workers hello like it's, it's being an classified by government officials. So like, what is an essential worker? Even me and Nikki got called essential workers because we do a podcast. Yeah. Give me a break. Like so, we were so, allowed to group up yeah. to do podcasting. So, yeah. You know, everyone can chill out on that. I just think that there's this mass illusion that's been slowly breaking, which is nice, but um, that we don't live in a world where this is guaranteed anymore. You don't get guaranteed health insurance. You don't get guaranteed pension. You don't get like this isn't what it was in the 80s no. you know and and you think social security is gonna last you know like good luck bro and anything that's new and innovative can be at one time be seen as something not real and silly Look at the internet the internet know? was called a fad in fact one of the most popular quote-unquote economists his name's paul krugman called internet the the internet the world wide web a fad and had no future in business or reality 
in the 90s. And, like, he is still acclaimed in, like, all kinds of, yeah. like, they give him awards, all kinds of shit. That is probably the dumbest call that has ever been called, <laughs> like, ever. Yeah. But nobody even talks about that anymore. It's it's just funny how, um, you know, you can you can be an expert in a field, swing and a miss so hard. And, by the way, you will do that. That is a real thing. Yeah. That will definitely happen. But the people don't view you any differently they still go well he's still that expert guy i guess mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah because you have all the credentials oh, that's it. if you have enough credentials like you're good so you know those aren't made up if <laughs> like, you're not sitting there like talking about what you learned from your mistakes <laughs> yeah like i think that you're fucking up already totally and but there's the other here's the other thing is that the more solidified that people think they know things like you know how the world operates you know the less you're learning anyway you're not open to learning because you already know yeah you can't learn exactly. anything if you already know everything and i have a degree in it and i already know and so when you make mistakes you go so far well, i'm an expert so i you know just that was a an error on judgment but you know, <laughs> yeah you know i already know how to do blah 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 um which leads me to my next point which is that i believe and i'm just seeing through my the course of my life and trying this so many times of like answering the call and being like sure i'll be the dummy i'll be the fool in the tarot card deck that like takes a leap and doesn't know where it's going just other than that i think this is the direction i'm supposed to go and see what happens i like experiments like especially like the adventure experiments where i don't feel like i have a lot to lose you're so, very good at that yeah <laughs> well that's i have so many hobbies like yeah. i love learning new shit i love like seeing like how to do things and I, I just i thrive off of like that whole process even even the failing part like the yeah. failing and being like what did i do wrong okay let me let me figure this out and and you know solving those those things but um i what i've what i've realized through um doing that and also you know coming across the works of neville goddard and um even like uh, Jerry and Esther Hicks and uh, uh, you can look Google it Google okay. it but, but the significance of them so is the, and a lot of spiritually enlightened teachers okay. Word. Are, uh, teach about how um, your that you can literally create your reality mm. and a lot of people don't like to hear that because it means that the reality they're, they've, they're in right now if they don't like it then they have some responsibility in creating it and so people you know are very turned off to that and especially since we've been conditioned to believe that that we don't believe something until we see it yeah. when it actually operates the other way around and this is through all spiritual teachings and like all all kinds of works have been done on this where <coughs> our brain is so powerful actually that our beliefs create our thoughts and our thoughts actively create our reality as if we're living in a simulation and it's rendering it in real time well i don't know what you know speaking of rendering wow mm -hmm. um what, i don't know what you know about special effects but one of the most fascinating things about the entire industry which i find very fascinating um is the way that artists are the visionaries who almost like plant the flag in a in an unknown place and say i want us to go here and then these visual effects artists are like, okay, how do we get there? And mm -hmm. then they practically try to actually figure out how to do it. In the same way that like we have a fucking space program because people like th there were there was I mean, dude, there's so much about like going to the moon, but like yeah. there was a very famous um, um, movie, like very old old movie about like this this guy who fires like a bullet at the moon and then like 
you can see the moon's like a guy's face and like yeah. he gets hit with the bullet. Oh, and he's I've like seen a cartoon like, like that. Yeah, it's a very famous old yeah. movie, right? But like that was like the vision of like, we're going to go to the moon. We'll get there somehow. Yeah. You know, and that that was like, that's what that's what I, I wish more people, instead of seeing artists as silly and like they're, they're yeah. young and they need to grow up. But but I wish, and there is some of that, of course, in sure. everything. Like you have to mature as an artist always. Mm -hmm. But I wish that people saw them more as the pioneers and visionaries in the, in that way, where it's like they're they're creating a world like Asimov, right, or like um, any of these great science fiction writers. Um, imagine these whole worlds, and now um, audiences are obsessed with them. Yeah, you know, like like, we're, like how many space operas, well, like Star the, Wars. Some of the only relics that we have from ancient histories are 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 the art that's left. Like yeah, absolutely, that like that's some of the only stuff that we have. So you got Elwan Hubbard, you got Asimov, you got all these guys out there calling shots, and then you have artists today still rendering their worlds because they found them so inspirational and so they're bending our technology towards vi like actually visualizing and exploring those spaces i mean look at tolkien mm -hmm. tolkien was like hey there's like this old place and like there it's like mordor and like there's like all these little dwarves and you know hobbits and that's like the entire fantasy genre is mm -hmm. because that guy called his shot and now everyone's trying to render and create and like, you know, experience and like go there. And like, but, but it's about making, giving humanity goals and then seeing what we do with them. And yeah. I, I just think that artists have such an important place, but again, it gets, it gets beaten to death with the grow up. Yeah, Shit. and it took me a long time to realize it because of that too. Even I, like in a creative field, maybe like, what am I doing? I'm not even contributing to society. Yeah. Blah blah. You know, because you get you do get wrapped up, and you're like, what is the whole point of this? I'm not gonna be a starving artist. Yeah. Well, we have to go on a break. Uh, yes. But when we come back, we I'm gonna come right back to this topic because there's a lot more to say. We could do fucking three of these episodes. In a row. Honestly, yeah. we just love talking about this shit, especially when people bring stuff up and I'm like, oh, wait, you think that that's weird because I don't think that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's when we have a discussion it's really about great. it. Yeah. All right. Buy whatever we tell you to buy. Thank you. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. 
Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. We just want to take a break to tell you to like thanks for listening to our podcast. And if you want to rate it, that would be really awesome for us. Like, Listen, we're on break. We're not talking to you like podcast hosts right now. We're just talking to you like people. As a friend. And we just want to say, please rate the show because it helps out huge amounts. Like, we're not desperate. We're, like, kind of desperate. We're giving shout-outs right now to all the people who are giving it ratings. So, huge shout-out right now to Brian Jorgensen. That was sick of you, dude. Thank you. God bless. Uh, huge shout-out right now to Mark. Mark W. in Springfield, Connecticut. Back to our podcast. Jenny Blythe. Hey, back to our podcast. In Tuscany, and Florida. back to our podcast. God bless you. Thank you. Steven. Cute. Thank you for supporting the show. <laughs> okay, we're back. And I hope you bought whatever we told you to buy because we're starving artists. So Thank you. Oh, my God. Thank, we need oh this to work. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, you know what's funny when you talk about like people saying artists are silly and make-believe when like humans were put on the earth without any manual and like we're literally operating by a bunch of rules that people made up like people you know made it. up you know laws it. people made up like the little like uh, you know what like the numbers of laws and like what number law thing is and, they, and then they made up a profession hey, that only people in that profession know the the code of law it, there like, weren't robots <laughs> like in the early 1900s but there were depictions of them yeah. You know what I mean? Through artists. Yeah. So like, let's all chill a little bit. There were also depictions of like small computers. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like Star Trek. Yeah. They had tricorders and like, you know, Star Wars. They got like little tiny computers compared to like the computers that we had at the time, which were fucking the size of a room. Yeah. So like, you know, like you can say what you want, but artists who are like projecting or, or you know, you know, projecting, I think it's fair, but a future where this is possible bends um, people who are living in reality to try to strive for those goals. To like, picture, I well, wonder if I could build that well, what or make it does, that. What it does is it cha- it changes, it opens your beliefs into what's possible, right? Oh, yeah. And so, How about a rocket that can land itself? I, I like what Elon's doing. You can literally launch it into space. It will come back into Earth and it will land and you can recover the object that landed itself, didn't destroy itself like we used to do. Like it used to be like, you, you want to launch, you have to leave something behind, it gets destroyed in the process. Yeah. Now you, it can land itself. Like stuff like that is is only brought about through imagination. Yes. And artists are the fuel for imagination. Yeah, well what happens is when the artist suggests something, it's like, haha, that's silly, that's science fiction, going to the moon is science fiction, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But then it opens people's mind up to like well what if we did go to the moon and then you start you start playing without yeah. them knowing it yeah they start they opened up an imagination in yes. the in the person receiving this idea instead of like they, they the person receiving is like that's silly but what if that were possible and they start to like go into that realm and when you get enough people that believe <laughs> that that's when you can hit a tipping point where it does start to form into a reality Absolutely. because enough people believe that maybe that is possible and then the actions happen because the thoughts come like, well, how can we make it possible? And then the actions happen. And then, oh, my God, it is possible until it's widely accepted because now it's a new reality. Like and then the people that are just reacting to the current reality are like, well, of course it's possible. So I see it right now. I'm in front of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, see it. But those are the it. people that are in the comment section. Yeah. Going like, you can never do that. You might as well just fucking die. You'll never be able to make that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, dude. Cool. So I think that and it's I don't want to even blame them because I think that we're actually conditioned to only believe what we see in front of you. Like, you know if you don't see it they don't believe it you know if you haven't seen it with your own eyes someone could be lying to you you know yeah. don't get scanned people are more afraid of yeah seeming silly of seeming silly yes. than they are of taking a risk i that's what i've noticed the yeah. number one inhibitor that's right. of people following 
like that that spark that you know that 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 thing that that unknown is that they don't want to look silly to their mm-hmm. friends and family and their peers and you know be discredited in their circles there's and- a very um famous now publication from like the early 1900s and it was like the same year that the wright brothers flew and it was some guy who was or like a journalist at the time who was saying man will never fly like we we were we are not meant to you know what i mean like yeah and, and that by the way it's perhaps like the most remarkable thing that happened to that entire generation, right? That man eventually flew yeah. and like they were able to experience it. And now when we get on an airplane, it's so routine to us that we close the screen. And we complain about and it. And we bitch about it the whole time. <laughs> but like, think about how amazing it is for our generation yeah. and for like, for the, really the last century of humanity that we can get on a plane and we're 30,000 feet in like 15 minutes and we're bored. Do you know back in the day when commercial air air travel first was happening that people used to dress up for it it was like I, I it was know, an event it's so sick it was like oh my this is an event yeah you know airline stewardess were like, like were movies. like models like in air pilots were like these heroes it was like crazy yep. and you like you dressed up to go on the airplane because it was like crazy it's a big deal. yeah it's a big deal i love it I think that's so funny and now we just get in there on our sweats and we're like oh this Ugh. line this security line's so long Ugh. Made me take off my shoes. It's so, it's honestly so wild. <laughs> like the perspectives are so funny on all of it. And that's all it is to me is funny. It's silly, yeah. Yeah. And that, But I think that's, it's it's good to zoom out and see the silliness of it. Yes. And and I think it's the, the more that I've gone down these roads of being like, well, what happens if we do that? The more, the sillier things are. And the more, I'm like, if I, we talked about like, if we, if our life was a sitcom, I would call it unrealistic writing. <laughs> Oh yeah, because of all the silliness that happens on the daily. Look, nobody. Look, people used to think that I overused the term sitcom wife, and then they all saw you win the World Series of Poker fourth place, and they're like, "Yo, I think Steve's onto something." (laughs) I've actually never seen more of a reaction to one thought that I put out there years ago. Yeah, of like, I swear to God, my life's a sitcom, and then people are like, "Yeah, okay, Steve Green thinks his life's so fucking funny." Like, and like, no, now maybe you guys can understand what's the fuck's going on in my house. And that came from answering a call too. Like, but yeah, but four months prior to that, you never played a tournament your whole life. That's true. And then all of a sudden, Nikki's like fourth place, and my neighbor, who's like a, a fucking poker legend named Chris Mormon, he's like, "Steve, this is a big deal. We got to go." And I'm like, "I don't even know this is that big a deal. Holy shit! I guess we got to go." Yeah. But like, that's that's the sitcom of my life. I don't even know what a big deal this is. And then my not to take away from what you did, obviously yeah. it is a big deal, but it's just so fucking surreal plugging all that in together and seeing what actually what actually came of it you know what's so funny during that journey is that in that very tournament the first table i got sat at i was with it was me and the, uh, this other girl were at a table we were at the two girls at the table and it the show queen's gambit got brought up you know it's about this girl that learns how to play chess when she's like an orphan yes and she like she's on these you know some drugs and she like sees the chess pieces move on the ceiling and like she becomes this like crazy uh, like idiot savant at chess basically and she's really stylish while she does it and she's very attractive and huh. and she goes through this whole like like thing where she goes from being an orphan playing her first chess game to like schooling everybody at chess and at the college level and then she just like wins championships and me and this girl were talking about it and this guy next to us was like I'm actually a, a chess tournament player and I liked that show a lot but they didn't portray chess tournaments correctly and i was like oh we were talking about how they don't portray poker tournaments 
very correctly either yeah, like a like lot of media. like poker movies yeah. are like just very exaggerated the yeah. hands are just silly um and uh, and he asked us if we liked the show and both me and the girl were like yeah but and she's like but there was something i like off about it and i was like it was too easy for the character right and she was like yes that's it 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 seemed like there was basically no obstacles for this character that she went and then she had this like quick little obstacle like where she kind of got too far into drugs and like she lost a f- like two tournaments and then she like stopped doing drugs and like went back up and like won everything and um and we were like yeah like like it just seemed kind of like too easy like the arc just went from like winning to slightly losing to like w- rapidly winning again and and then i final tabled that tournament at the world series i know it's so funny and i was like maybe that writing wasn't that unrealistic but, but it was based on my version of reality yeah but also too something that will get missed in that is the work that you actually put in was yeah. wild like i don't think i mean look like i said like when my buddies like david so are texting me and stuff and they're like bro who's your who the fuck is your wife that shit makes me laugh more because I know you so well that none of what you did surprised me. And again, not to take away from what you did, mm. I just saw the work you put in. Yeah. So like, but like, it will, I could say that as much as I want, but anyone could just look at a calendar and go, okay, but yeah, but four months. Yeah. And I'm like, no, but you don't understand. This bitch is up every fucking morning. She's doing it all motherfucking day. And it went exactly like Queen's Gambit, though, where like, I mean, because they yeah. cut out a lot of the work she did. She she did study a lot and yeah. she she put in a lot of time. She failed a lot with the original teacher. OK, when she was a kid, when yeah. she was like an orphan, she was like six years old. She failed a lot. <coughs> but then she got really good. Um, but like she slowly started winning these tournaments, like kind of right off the bat. And that's kind of what happened with me was that I put a lot of work into it. But even putting a lot of work, people were like, well, but that's there's no still but. a statistic like there's no but though i you, think the one but was yeah. that i just f- like this this calling this like faith belief in that this is kind of what i'm just supposed to be doing yes you, you knew and like there was like a thing you were pulled that was like but what if this did happen yes what if that happened and, and because and something else i have to say that me we were talking about a little bit earlier because me and nikki refused to take life that seriously yeah. This became something that we were both rooting for in our home. Like where it's like, imagine you just know Nikki Lima and you're like, yeah, okay, she's the Tasty Tuesday lady on YouTube. And like, you know, she's been on JK and like, yeah. you know, she's Wherever got big mood people and whatever. Know me from. Yeah. yeah. And like, she's had a like, like T- a pretty decent bartender. career for herself on the tubes. And then all of a sudden it's like, holy shit, Nikki Lima is a poker fucking champion at the <laughs> World Series of Poker, which is like the fucking Super Bowl of poker. Mm-hmm. And she final tabled and she got fourth place. And I mean, yeah. And, and she barely started. And nobody knows. But like nobody knows, right? Yeah. Nobody knows what you put into it. That's But that's what I found so funny about that. Yeah. Is like being on the inside, it's different. But being on the outside, it's just like, wait, Nikki... It was just she just brought back Tasty Tuesday. Now she's in the World Series of Poker. What the fuck's going on? And that, oh, so I think that that's actually there's this other part where people I think get wrong about manifesting. I think manifesting gets a very woo-woo title because people will think that manifesting is like oh yeah, so you like dream about like I want a million dollars and then like you wake up and you have a million dollars like that's manifesting like that's real, bro. No, no, that's actually not how it works. The what what they're what all these spiritual teachers have like kind of trying to 
in part is that you believe something in your mind and you get and you really believe it and you feel the feelings of actually having that right and you until it feels very real to you that you have that thing and then what happens is you start acting as if you have that thing and you start doing the actions that someone with that thing would do and the actions are what actually creates you to actually having that thing it's like a a reverse engineering yeah, process. It's, like the it's not it you like sitting on a couch and then someone rings your doorbell and goes a million dollars, sir. <laughs> it's like, no, you, you picturing every detail of having it and why and how your life has changed. And then you walk around, you know, almost open to opportunities to make that a reality. But you're still just a dumb artist. So let me just, let me give you an example actually from someone that people respect. Yes. In our culture. Okay. So Barbara Corcoran mm-hmm. from Shark Tank fame. Okay. Yes. Famous Barbara, who literally I've never seen her bet on a deal. She's always like, I'm out. But <laughs> people respect and love Barbara, right? She's, a, she's I guess, a billionaire or like near it. She's like multi-hundred millionaire, I guess, right? So she actually talked about how um, there was this um, – so she was working in New York and um, she had not – you know, she was not doing what she wanted to do yet. She had taken a job delivering packages, And one day she was taking a package to this um, New York apartment and it was fucking beautiful, right? It was like on the edge of Central Park and it had its own greenhouse. So like, you know, you're in, you're in a house, right? But then it like a whole side of it's like a bubble glass bubble and you looks out into Central Park and like, it's fucking beautiful, right? Right. And so she's delivering this package to this woman there and like this old lady like is like, thank you. And she's like, um, um, this is a weird thing that I'm going to say, but um, if you ever want to sell your house or your apartment, <clears throat> can you please contact me first? And the lady kind of chuckled, you know, mm. but she took her information or whatever. And then, uh, you know, Barbara ended up working her way up in in business in New York. Like she was just a package courier there. Yeah. Then. So, you know, like a decade plus goes by. And sure enough, this woman contacts her and she's like, yeah, I want to sell it. And Barbara's able to buy it for like 10 milli. Mm-hmm. But like. But she, at the time. At she, the time, right. Just... But she's standing there with. <clears throat> she's standing there and she's just saying, you know why? She's like, it was just the weirdest thing. She's like, I just visualized myself there all the time. Yeah. Like I just, I just put myself there all the time. Saw myself living there and here I am. I'm fucking living here. And so, there's so many stories so like that. So much of that. But like, that's a practical, like not yeah. creative brain person per se. Yeah. Like in the cookie cutter sense. Mm-hmm. And they're doing some woo woo ass shit fucking randomly. But yeah. like it worked out pretty well. There's and a like, lot of. There's a lot of crossover People with that. in like, if you read the book Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, he talks about this and he interviewed like the billionaires at that time, like the richest people in the world at that time. This was written in like the 1950s or 40s or something like that but he basically like wanted to see if there was some sort of like consistent factor in these people's ability to be rich and while they had way vastly different approaches to becoming wealthy and like completely different mindsets the one thing that's that's that like connected them all was like they all had this belief and they all like visualized themselves succeeding like there were certain fundamentals that they all had in common and he wrote down like what they were and that's what the book is is like the things that they all did that that were consistent amongst all of them yeah yeah and and there you go so there's like successful ass people that aren't selling fucking art online Mm -hmm. like the meme would be 
Yeah. And they do it too. So and, and then there's people that it's like, okay, well, if it's so easy to just visualize a million dollars and you get a million dollars, then why isn't everyone doing it? Because number one, not everyone wants a million dollars. Like me thinking about having a million dollars, what is it's more about like well, how would that change my lifestyle? I would actually need a really strong reason to like want that that I would put the million dollars for and this is how it would change my life and I'd visualize more of like what that would do for me rather than the actual physical million dollars. And number two, most people don't believe they can actually attain a million dollars. So you can say all you want to yourself like I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire, I heard these affirmations work. And if you don't actually believe it and you don't actually feel it in your bones that you have that or could have that, then it it just isn't, that wouldn't happen well, believe for it or you. Not, it just opens you up to more um, choices that you don't really realize are choices at the time. Yeah. So like if opportunity comes to you, you don't have an excuse to why, for why you can't do it. You you can actually figure out why yeah, you can do it. Yeah, you're more open to these and avenues. Yeah, and honestly, I've never met anyone in my life, um, and I, I've met a lot of people in the creative field, but I've never met anyone in my life who found a way to say constantly say no to things who made it. Never. No. Never. So it the reminds, people who do that the most are the biggest washouts of all. Yeah. It reminds me of that joke. I don't know if I heard this when I was a kid, but um, there's a guy, he falls off a boat, he's drowning in the middle of the ocean, and uh, a lifeboat comes out to save him. And he and they're like, hey, here, here's a life a life raft or whatever come on and the guy's like no 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 god will save me don't worry oh yeah and like another boat comes uh, later and they're like hey hey come here like we'll save you and he's like no no, no god will save me i'm good and so he's drowning he's drowning and then like the helicopter comes and is, like drops the ladder down and is like sir this is your last chance at survival to like grab the hell the ladder and he's like God will save me. And then the guy dies and he goes to heaven and he's like, God, why didn't you save me? And God's like, I sent two boats and a helicopter. And a fucking ladder, dude. <laughs> yeah. But the guy was just like, no, I'm like going to manifest being saved instead yeah. of like literally doing the, it. There's, you're getting sent opportunities to I be know. saved because you're thinking about it. But they're and, thinking about the golden opportunity. Like I want someone to walk up to me and hand me a million dollars or yeah. whatever, right? The, the easiest path. And the ideal uh, version. Like I know sometimes I've, I've thought like, I've thought like, oh man, I'm failing. Like I'm failing at, at everything um, <clears throat> because it's not the picture that I had in my head of success. Yeah. You know, and it took uh, my therapist at the time to be like, well, paint a picture of your life for if someone was to take your life, like if you were, you know, come, if someone you're getting reincarnated and someone's going to describe like what your life's going to be like, describe it to me. And I'm like, OK, well, I live in like L.A. And it's and she's like, well, describe the neighborhood. You really like the neighborhood. Like, yeah, it was a really pretty neighborhood. And um, at the time we were living in that apartment. And um, I was like, yeah. well, you know, it's not like my dream house. Not the but funeral home. But no, not the funeral home, but you. it was a really a pretty better. neighborhood and a neighborhood I really like. And okay, what do you do for a living? Okay, well, I make content and, you know, I like, try to make people laugh. And, um, you know, so like I, and so, so I work for myself and like, well, who, who are you? Do you have a relationship? Like, yeah, I do have, I have a husband that like really loves me. <laughs> like, you know, and I'm painting, and you're painting this picture of your life. And it's like, now would you, if, would you trade that for some, something else? And it's like, yeah, no, I guess I wouldn't. I just didn't really think of that wasn't my picture of where I thought I would be at that point in my yeah. life. So I I labeled it a failure, and right. and inst and I was operating from this like place of, like 
I, I of lack, you know, really that like I didn't have everything that I thought I was going to have. And once you reworded it like that and I started to just see all the things I was super grateful for and like kind of like the progression of how far I've come. I'm not a waitress anymore. I'm not like lonely anymore. I'm with someone that loves me. I have a lot of love in my life. I have two cats I really love. Um, you know, like well, two, you knew all two, the cats stu- you'd two have stupid later. kitties. Yeah. Well, well, once I started acting out of this like, you know, abundance, you I started, started to visualize more cats. I had an abundance of cats like, later. Whoa, uh, now I have two more cats. <laughs> I got a much bigger place within the span. I I, I felt like I was hitting a wall with finding a house. I wanted to buy a house forever and Felt like uh, a real wall, you said we're gonna die in our old place. I said I'm gonna die here. You said we're going. <laughs> no, you said we are going to die. Yes. here. Because <laughs> I was not open. My wrist. <laughs> <laughs> the most dramatic shit. <laughs> Fuck it. This chick is hilarious. I'm telling you, man. If my life isn't a sitcom, whose is, bro? You want to hate on my fucking life being a sitcom? Good luck writing that shit. <laughs> I wake up in it every fucking day. I see this chick. I wake up. I'm out. In the hallway, Nikki's like for some reason bent all the way over on all fours, fucking breathing or whatever. <laughs> my life is hilarious. And then she's like, I had to take in my moon rocks from last night. Oh shit. First of all, oh, I was oh, on she's all... like, gets up all of a sudden and she pulls up her pants and she's like, Oh shit, I left all my moon rocks outside. <laughs> First of all, I was doing cat cow poses and yoga. Yeah, if you say it's so. It's very Ray, it's a very basic thing yeah. to do in LA, especially. Yeah. And then, secondly, they weren't moon rocks; they were crystals that were charging under the full moon. Thank you. Sorry. They were. There was lapidolite. There Point was. Being she forgot about them, and then she's there like, was oh, amazonite. Shit. And it's like the oh shit is like the oh shit that and you have. Rainbow obsidian out there. If you're about to burn the fucking house down because you left the oven on, <clears throat> like the oh shit is just so incredible. Well, because and I'm like, I'm like. Where's the studio audience? Can I at least can I at least walk in the room, get my applause for a second before you guys like lay this shit on my if head? If it sits in the sun too long, it could discolor them. I know. Are so. you comfortable doing a part two of this? By the way, uh, I, yeah, I think what, we just should. What else is there to talk? I mean, I think what we else? just should. But what else? I guess okay. No, we here. No, submit uh, questions. So much more. There's actually like an entire second half of this that I want to. Okay. Talk about. Okay. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Let's do a part two. We were gonna do because part I two. was actually going to touch on shadow, your shadow self, and how a lot of people deny these aspects of themselves because they've been told that they're not societally acceptable, and shadow work is really confronting these parts of yourself that are blocking you from getting all the things that you want. Mm. So yeah. I think we should start with that. Okay. On this next, on this next upcoming. episode episode. so i hope you like this episode i know there's like i know it might rattle a few ruffle a few feathers uh, because (laughs) there are people who if you're not happy with your current life situation you kind of get mad that we've gotten you know uh people saying that there's survivorship bias and we've done a whole episode on survivorship bias too you you could go watch that if you want to see it but i i feel like i some people needed to hear this aspect of truth and i've been going down a path of just finding my my pure truth to Mm -hmm. share with the world and i have noticed lately that it has ruffled feathers and i was like well why and that's when the shadow work part came in and um and so i'm sorry uh to those of you who are who did maybe got their feathers ruffled and then maybe you weren't ready to receive that message but i think that this message was like for a lot of people that didn't need to hear it i agree and but also at the same time um always zoom out always take things a little less seriously because we live in a world now where you post a fucking twitter a tweet about how you won 
a fucking stuffed bear at a carnival and everyone's kind of pissed about it actually yeah or you because what about this going on there's right a now? joke uh, on twitter <laughs> where it's like don't do twitter like you post i like pancakes and you'll get five responses like so you hate waffles yeah so really so, so you like, hate waffles so waffles is just like go go fuck them why I don't guess, you like huh? waffles yeah is it because you're you're too elite and Did you, you know, don't order waffles do you know anymore? who made pancakes guess <laughs> what they raped people <laughs> Like, oh, shit, I don't fucking know. I like you support cake. rape. Yeah, so you so just say you support just, rape. Just say you're down with that, and we'll we'll move on. Yeah, and it's like, oh my god, and it's like, oh, thank God I didn't post. I like pancakes with syrup because <laughs> I just I was just reading about syrup, and I was like, oh god, it's very uh, that was really, that would have been bad. The way that they farm syrup, <laughs> so many trees get slaughtered. <laughs> exactly. See. Okay. So anyway, all right, we'll be back. Hope you guys like this, and uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah, bye. Hey, bye. Bye.